On this episode of Delivering Marketing Joy, we talk with the big man on campus, Dana Zezo, and he tells us how to build a culture of success. Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. I'm your host, Kirby Hossaman, and I have a rock star with me today. Uh, Dana has been nice enough to come back again. Dana Zezo is the VP of Sales and Marketing for Imagine Brands. Dana, thanks so much for coming back. I appreciate it. No problem. Always love it. Yeah, man. It's always fun to chat with you. Um, you have, I want to say it's a new journey, but it's not that new anymore. But the last time we talked, we, you know, you were just jumping on with Imagine Brands. And I know that one of the things that you've, you've kind of gone through a bit of a transition there where you've kind of tried to have to put a couple different sales teams together. I would think that's pretty challenging. So what are some of the lessons you've learned and, and some of the wins from the process? Yeah, that's. I mean, I've been in the uh, position now for the, just about eleven months already, um, and it's been. Um, I've, I learned something every day. It's a pretty big company. I mean, we're number twenty-one on the um, on the top, you know, the top forty supplier list. So, you know, the analogy that I've been using is, you know, my first step into management and running companies or being part of running them is always never by myself, but is that the first one was like a little speedboat, you know, and I get this idea and I'd be like, turn right. And everyone just turned right. And then the next one was like, you know, Hey, let's turn right. And everyone's like, it was like a, I had to tell a couple crew members cause it was kind of more like a yacht and then uh, it slowly turned right, but it didn't, wasn't a speedboat. And now, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be put in a situation where I'm driving um, a ship and um, I have to tell them like a couple months ahead of time, hey, I'm thinking about going right, you know, and then a lot of people need to know about going right. And then still, even when we decide to go right, you know, that's a slow turn. Um, and that is the analogy. And to bring it back to the two sales forces, um, you know, I didn't know that when I took the position exactly where they were in that process. And it was to, you know, I quickly found out that it was just January one that they were merging, uh, letting this crown and Vitronic Salesforce, you know, rep both companies. And, um, I guess they kind of got the, you know, it, the bomb dropped on them, um, for good or bad, you know, like that fall. So they had a lot of, you know, stuff in their head and sure. preconceived notions and, you know, beliefs and, you know, per, uh, perception is reality kind of stuff going on. And I, you know, that is what I got hit with in starting in February, right out of the gate. You know, here I am, I'm ready to go. I got all these ideas. I'm looking at the product. I'm looking at the marketing. I'm looking at all the potential we have. And it's just like, you know, just dead stop. And, you know, I think the lesson learned was that when you make company decisions um, that affect a lot of people, um, we affected at the at February at the time of the announcement, 25, 30 P individuals, because um, then it trickled through and kind of played a role in inside sales and customer service and, you know, all the way through. And that was the tune of like 50 people. Um no matter how much you think through it in management as a company leader, 
Um, you never fully understand the impact uh, it has on the individuals. So the lesson learned was um, you need to make company decisions. We, we need to make decisions every day that are the best for the company. Um, but if you don't get down and understand that on a granular level and connect with each one of those individuals that are being affected and understanding how it's affecting them, you're just going to be at a stalemate. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I know other suppliers that have gone through this and, you know, they've all, I'm sure, worked their way through it in different ways. But the lesson to me was when decisions like this are made, um, you kind of got to go grassroots and get down in the trenches with them and understand how this is affecting their life and their, what that's in their head and help overcome sometimes those perceptions, which are not always reality. I mean, I'm sure when we first started the, doing this, the perception was, oh, they're going to re- cut the re- you know Salesforce in half. Well, we still haven't done that. And matter of fact, we got four hires in the works right now. So we're, we're not doing that. Um, but it was tough to overcome. It took, I would say just until about two weeks ago, I felt like that was behind us. But it reminds me of the quote, you know, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, and, yeah, and that's I, right. I, yeah, I feel like that 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 lends itself to what you're saying right there. So 100 percent. Yeah. So one of the things that when you or anyone comes to building a sales organization, um, I think it comes to be about culture. Um, so how do you build? How do you work to build a culture of success? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, I got this like Napoleon complex thing going on with, you know, so uh, I'm sure I come across and I'm being told um, that I come across really strong uh, and aggressive and threatening and, you know, I'm like this big. So it's kind of weird. But uh, so uh, I think once you get to know me um, and it's what it takes for me. So how do I build a culture in an organization that breeds success is one, I always use myself to set the benchmark. Mm. I don't ask anybody to ever do anything that I wouldn't do personally myself. Mm. Um, and then I, my activity, my, my, when I'm in the field, my expectations from my own calls are, are equal or higher than the reps, expect, what we expect from the reps. My meetings outside the trade shows is, is high. My time in the booth is higher than anyone else. My email counts higher than anyone else. My phone counts higher than anyone else. Uh, my social touches are way higher than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So if you, I just set the benchmark to show that it can be done and that it, if you really want to succeed, it's contagious. And yeah. there's nothing better than working for someone who wants to exceed, succeed as bad as you do. Yeah. Um, it makes you want to, you know, I, I loosely use the word follow because I don't mean I don't want a bunch of followers. But, it, it get, you know, to kind of form into that pack that's going to drive forward because that's the only way to be successful i mean you can have a couple off superstars in your sales force but they can be up that doesn't offset everybody else that's down right so you have to build a culture and work with them and nurture them um to want to go the direction you're going but if you if you're going to do that then you answer your phone at 10.51 when someone calls because they're in panic. Yeah. Um, you have to do everything 
you know, you can to set the expectations to what it is to, from response time to, you know, communication. Communication is huge. I think the biggest impact that I've had at Imagine Brands is the level of communication and it's good or bad. Like we had one spur up, you know, just here the last couple of days. It's not good, but you know what? We're posting it on our internal. We use internal Facebook group. We use Facebook groups as our internal live way of interacting, which, you know, can go haywire pretty quick, but, um, it's live, it's real. You can respond. You can say, I don't understand. You can't misinterpret an email. Um, so I would say, set the benchmark and and be set the example like work better than anyone else and smarter than anyone else and more strategic than anyone else and then teach them why you why and how you did that at any time they want to learn that and it doesn't all happen at once it's kind of at their own will everyone learns different and and over communicate I mean that is what every day I talk to my marketing team and you know, they think of this stuff months ago, right? They've made these plans months ago, and they forget that it's just now hitting mm -hmm. people in the organization. And it's like, and they just forget that, and they take some stuff for granted. They don't mean to do it, but it's like over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. You can never go wrong over-communicating. Yeah. So how do I breed success in, a, in an organization? Set the bench, set the bar, and over-communicate. No, I like that a lot. And and I love the idea of leading by example. It's something that I aspire to do. Um, so I think that's great advice. Um, so real quickly, final question for you. Um, you know, the sale year, sales year is now beginning for many people, those that are on the calendar year. Uh, what tips do you have to get your team and anybody else's team started off on the right foot? Well, the tip to my team was uh, we're trying to educate them as quickly as they can about all the new product um, so that they're prepared going into the new year. We, um, we've got a lot of things that can stagnate a, a company on a sales organization. Um, you know, we've got comp plans behind us. We're rolling over last year's comp plan and this year, no changes there. So, you know, that's where uh, Salesforce will get all hung up and if they're comp if they're not comfortable with their comp plan, they, they suddenly can't learn anything else. And I respect that. Um, uh, and I get it. I was that person. And and that's, you know, that's the quality I bring to the table. So I worked my way up to the industry and I can understand what they're going through. So, we're you know, comp plans are, are rolling over. They're the same. Um, we've addressed things in the comp plan that were issues before and, and we've made them right or more comfortable for the sales force uh, and yet still make company decisions. We're educating them on product. We um, we did our national sales meeting and we called a timeout for a couple days um, and we really spent some time doing breakout sessions. Uh, I feel that the group um, of salespeople can learn in a more intimate setting. So historically, the company has always done product knowledge in big, wide formats, you know, 50 people in the room. Someone stands in front. They've got a PowerPoint. They're flipping through. Well, if you're like the 21st person in the like the big U, like they're five slides ahead by the time the product gets to you, and you're like, okay, I'm lost. Like, what the hell was this thing again? Like, why do we have it? Um, so this year, I broke that down in a real small, intimate settings of about uh, seven to nine people. Um, I broke up the brands. I made sure that the the, the product launches had had stories um, accompanied with them. So 
the success that we're going to bring to the table next year is we're not just coming out schlepping a bunch of product. Um, we're not going to be bag and draggers. We are going to come into the distributors of today that want to do business with us with compelling stories of why we have this stuff and how it adds to our line or how it adds to a service model that they're looking for. It's all prep and it's stories. I mean, you, you and I both follow a lot of the same people, um, you know, business leaders that preach, you know, storytelling is the key to selling, um, not product. And so if you're, you have the greatest product, if it doesn't a story, it doesn't have a story behind it or purpose. It's just a product. No, I like it. And so it sounds like a big tip for you is just to get all your ducks in a row so that when you come out of the gate, you can come out running full speed. And, and I think that's, that's awesome, dude. So, um, all right. So you've answered my three questions. I give everybody a chance to ask me one question. Do you have one for me? Yeah. So, you know, in the last couple few weeks, I've been on this just content prep because we're getting ready. Like I said, you know, we got, we, we've explained the knowledge to them or what's coming to them and we have it canned in all kinds of cool little co content formats and bite-sized pieces and we're going to hit the road running with with content with a solid content strategy that we can share with our distributors um that content is attracting for us is attracting customers mm -hmm. okay so i'm going to kind of turn this around a little bit because you know i keep a close eye on you mr kirby like really close eye like Right there, I keep, and uh, you are just, you know, done an amazing job on the industry and in, in being a content creator, um, and many different, you know, from the from these um, podcasts to your written content to the type of social you're putting out. Um, do you think it's time? Like, what's going to happen now? Like, you've got this content strategy that is the future of promotional product sales. You think that's gonna build your portfolio? Do you think that's gonna attract talent to you someday? It's um, a good question. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. I think that when I first started doing this, everybody was like, "What's the goal? Why are you doing this?" And I think what I told people two years ago was, you know, I I, I know it's the right thing to do, and I'm not sure what how it will come, and I'm just gonna deal with it as it comes. I sort of feel like, to your point. You know, you create content that hopefully there's value to your customers and your prospects. And we are, we work to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would be lying to you if, if I, I said that, you know, at some point it would make sense that, you know, I want to be a, an, an expert in the industry. I want to be a person who provides a ton of value. And if that translates into people wanting to come and work with us, that's great. Um, it's a, it's not certainly the only goal, but gosh, it would be flattering if if that's one of the things that happens. So I appreciate I appreciate you keeping your eye on me for sure. <laughs> that one, right? <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, we will definitely definitely do it again. Cool. Awesome. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That wraps up another edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching, but wait, can you do me a favor? Please subscribe to my channel. If you haven't done it already, the way to do it's right over here. And hey, if you want to watch the last episode, check that out over here. Again, before you leave, subscribe.